Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing. The German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And yes, I've turned up a little bit late for pre-season, may I say. But uh, Hal Stewart doing a fantastic job last week covering for me. Thank you very much and I hope everyone enjoyed it. But as always on the Gag and Pressing podcast, we have plenty to discuss. So on this week's pod, well, we're going to start with the stateside games including Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund in the Intercontinental Champions Cup. Then back in Germany, we'll discuss transfers. Werner Braden being very busy at the moment. Then the start of Liga 3, the start of Bundesliga 2 this coming week. And we have a few interviews thrown in there as well. But I'm not the brains of the operation. Let's move to who is. First of all, joining me is Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been? Bryce, very good, thank you. Welcome back. Um, thank you. Yeah, been very good. Had a nice Saturday in West London at QPR, watching Union Berlin get spanked, but we'll talk more about that later. <laughs> yes, I look forward to it. I hear it was a lively one. But joining Chris and I, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, how are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I was supposed to have at least a week off um, after the World Cup. But unfortunately, or fortunately, um, Bayern and the other team that I cover quite a lot, the Vancouver Whitecaps, decided to still do plot away a major transfer. So that was my last week of holidays thrown out of the window. Maybe I'll get this week off. That'd be nice, right? But yeah, other than that, it's been pretty good. Oh, no, come on, man. You wouldn't know what to do with your time away from football, oh, yeah, there would you? Be plenty of things that I could do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, guys, let's jump in. As I said, we've got plenty to discuss for a change. Um, yeah, let's, let's talk about, um, Bayern Munich, I suppose, first. Uh, they've been over in the States playing in the Intercontinental Champions Cup. That is a mouthful. Um, it's, it's almost as many, uh, words and letters as there are teams playing in it. But, um, Manu, uh, there are two games, um, over states, I didn't exactly go to plan, did they? They've, they've lost to Juventus and they've lost to Man City. Um, it, is this a sign that the team are possibly struggling pre-season uh, under new management or should we not really be getting too concerned? Yeah, I don't think we, there needs to be any concern. Um, I mean, if there is concern, the rest of the league may be a brief a sigh of relief. Because, um, the, the performance at the International Champions Cup weren't, weren't great. You're quite right. That game against Juventus was dire. And the game against City just started, they started very well and then sort of kind, sort of fell off the cliff, um, 2-0 up and then, uh, lost the game 3-2. But again, it's, I mean, these are glorified friendlies. I think that's something that we said last week, right, Chris? You can't really take away too much from, from these games. There's a lot of experimenting going around. Um, Bayern are a t- side that's going to be doing a lot of transitioning anyways away from Pep Guardiola, um, your Pankers football, whatever that was, what Hanchelotti played, to um, Kovac football, which is very different. So I think in general, uh, yeah, take take those results with a grain of salt. I think it's it's really hard to take anything away from them. But well, I find I find this more interesting is the marketing aspects, and of course Romanege 
fired one again today, um, speaking out against 50 plus one and how the game is, um, how sport in general is much better marketed over here in the United States, how the Bundesliga is, uh, is falling behind the other leagues. Um, when it comes to visibility and that the performance of the German national team didn't help the league in terms of marketing and that the league needs to do much better in the, in the Champions League, in the Europa League. And that 50 plus on uh, needs to go in order for the teams to do better. Chris, I, I feel like Rummenigge is a bit of a broken record when it comes to that. And I think we have actually pointed out quite well on this podcast that 50 plus one really isn't the, the reason why the Bundesliga hasn't done well in Europe. Yeah, some strange quotes, isn't there? He's, um, he's starting to sound a little bit like a broken record, which is a shame because, you know, Bayern have got, they have got a lot of money. And I know what he's trying to say is that he's calling it promoting populism, isn't he? Um, Bayern, for some reason, I know they spent a bit of cash now on, um, Alfonso Davies. They have the power and the ability to go and, and buy. Um, players from wherever they want. They're not particularly keen on it. They, they've got this own, um, stranglehold on their own finances for some reason. There's no pockets in the shroud. I don't know why they don't want to buy. And when they do buy, they tend to buy off their main rivals, which as we've discussed plenty of times, weakens those rivals. And then to some extent weakens Bayern when they want to go and, and face a real stern chest in the Champions League, which they haven't been able to come over. Um, and likewise, it depletes the rest of the league who struggled in Europe. Um, whether that happens again this year, not too sure because we've got teams with a bit more European experience under their belt. But yeah, it is a strange one. He, um, I don't think he should be banging this drum, to be honest, because there's a lot of clubs that do particularly well going by the 50 plus one rule. Um, and I know Bayern would like to be more corporate, but it's not that they're struggling for money. And I, I don't think the fact that Bayern Munich haven't won the Champions League in the past few seasons or even got to the final in the last few seasons is because a 50 plus one. I don't buy that at all. Yeah, it's, it's funny. It's, he's almost saying, well, we wouldn't get away from 50 plus one, but the rest of the league should so that we have more competition. But he, he strangles the competition and really it's, when you, when you look at the, the teams that are coming up, for example, Leipzig, right? Leipzig, uh, the, the stranglehold in Leipzig is not 50 plus one. It's, it's financial fair play that really stifles them. Um, so it, it's, it seems kind of bit nonsensical. And then he, the other quote that he said is, well, Americans kind of smile at us for our 50 plus one rule. Said, of course, he sits in a room with a whole bunch of billionaires that own clubs. Of course, they would smile at 50 plus one and say, what? People own teams there? What? That seems odd. Um, so I can see why he would make a statement like that, but it seems to be so removed from reality in, in some ways, isn't it? Yeah, I have a feeling that this is going to be another season of us discussing it plenty. It's, um, it, it, it's always brought to the forefront, isn't it, about whether it's a good thing for German football, whether it's a bad thing. I mean, we've spoke out plenty of times about how much we enjoy uh, the rule being there, you know, because we feel it brings it closer to the fans, isn't it? Um, I, I think this will probably rage on one or two um, for a while longer, one or Chris. Uh, Chris, if, if I was to ask the question, how much longer do you think the 50 plus one rule will exist? Do you think it's here for good or do you think it's only a matter of time before it gets changed? I think the, the majority of clubs back it in, in Germany, both in the top and in the second tier. 
I can't see it changing unless someone really takes a, a legal challenge to either, you know, the highest German court or to the European court or to the court of arbitration for sport. It's going to be one of those three places it gets taken to. And until they do that, I can't see anyone ruling on it. And anytime anybody's threatened that, they've always backed down. So I think it's something, I really think it's something that the German public will not want to see happen. They won't want to see the implosion of the game. They won't want to see you know, their clubs being overtaken by um, not just foreigners in essence, but they won't want to be seeing their investments sold abroad um, and then a globalisation. The football club in Germany is very much the heart of the community. And that's something that over in England, over here in England, you know, people are constantly complaining about that football clubs no longer belong to the community in which they're based in. So uh, I can't see it going anywhere for a while. Uh, Martin Kent is putting in a legal challenge, of course, right now. So that's going to be interesting to watch. But I think Chris is quite right. People don't really want it to go. And um, while Romanicki calls that populism, I would call that democratic consent. So there's my answer to Romanicki if he's listening. And that's that. So I suppose we better talk um, about uh, something a little bit more exciting when it comes to Bayern Munich. Um, you guys touched on it a little bit last week on the podcast, and that was uh, the newest addition to Bayern, and that's Alfonso Davies. I really hope I got that right. Apologies if I haven't, but he scored apps. To absolutely sublime goals for the White Caps, which I'm sure you uh, witnessed, Manu. Um, this is a, a very exciting signing, isn't it? Yeah, so I was at BC Place last night. Um, I covered at the White Cups Pro, uh, Pro Soccer USA over here in, in North America. And there's been a lot of excitement about Alfonso Davis going to Germany. And I mean, this is, this is a big deal for Major League Soccer in terms of that they have finally managed to sell a homegrown player for big money to a, one of the big, big five clubs in, in European football. And um, this is a big transfer. You know, there's a, the number that floats out there is 22 million. I think I have to clear that up a little bit. It's 10 million euros plus bonuses. I, this this is something maybe that a lot of North American listeners they're not quite used to. Bonuses are of course something that you need to earn first. The White Cups are not going to be handed 10 million euros and all the bonuses at once. I mean, bonuses include everything from 50 games played in the league, 50 goals scored a certain amount of games played in the Champions League, a certain amount of games played in the national team. And there's even a clause in there, should Davies ever win a Ballon d'Or, right? So um, while the Whitecaps have sold, this is a $22 million transfer. The fee, the initial fee is much lower. It's about 12 to $13 million uh, US dollars. Still, that still makes him the most expensive player ever to leave Major League Soccer. And um, a 17-year-old, it's that's a quite a significant deal. And there was a lot of pressure on him, of course. He didn't play for the last two weeks while the, the parties were finalizing this transfer because he had to do a medical and he Bayern flew him out to Philadelphia and um, presented him there while they were doing their, their ICC tour, right? And this is a big step for them because he is recognized in all of North America as the biggest talent for. So to present a player like that while on the North America tour was very important for Bayern. It's very important to, to keep a foothold in this, in this market too. But Davis himself is a remarkable story. He, of course, he gave a speech at the, the World Cup, um, the pre-World Cup FIFA conference where they awarded the tournament to the United States. And Alfonso Davis is a refugee. His family is from Liberia. He was born in a refugee camp in Ghana. Canada took him in. Um, his family took, took his family in. They first moved to Windsor, Ontario, then to Edmonton. 
And that's where he ended up in the one of the many Whitecaps academies, was brought to Vancouver as a 14-year-old and debuted in the Major League Soccer as a 15-year-old. So he, we were saying yesterday among the press, he pretty much won the lottery twice. He got the refugee status in Canada and then got this, this into this residency program. In Canada, you have to pay to play, but he got a scholarship to play for the Whitecaps. And then did remarkable well. I mean, he worked very hard throughout his career at the Whitecaps um, to achieve this move. And basically his family will never have to work again with the deal that he just just finished with Bayern. And yesterday, I feel that Whitecaps sort of left and let them off the leash a little bit. And there was definitely a sense that he um, they guarded him very closely over the last few years. They knew what kind of prospect they had. Um, similar to what Brazilian clubs do, they don't want to advertise him too often to open right because they don't they want to make sure that the right deal comes eventually and yesterday it felt almost Carl Robinson said to him look deal is done you have seven games and then in Vancouver and then you're going to leave give the fans something to enjoy and he put on a clinic he was allowed to do whatever he wanted to do on the pitch and that's because he was two classes above everyone else. And I mean, if you haven't seen the, 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 the goal that he scored, his first goal, his second goal is also sublime, but his first goal is absolutely incredible. He steps through three defenders. He makes uh, Boxall, the Minnesota United defender, look like a statue. Um, and it's with a sublime finish, slotted the ball right through uh, Minnesota's goalkeeper's legs, um, fantastic goal. And he was really, really nice after the press, after the game too. He spent five minutes with the press. And yeah, I think the, the Bayern really got a good transfer there. And I think he can really make a huge impact um, over in Munich. As you said, Manu, he spent some time with the press, which we will uh, go to in a little second as you got a, a word with him. Uh, but uh, Manu, just, just before we do that, I mean, you mentioned on the previous podcast that you know he won't be going uh, to Bayern until uh, he turns 18. So, so that's the second of November, if I remember from the top of my head. Anyway, um, I mean, how much of an impact can you see him possibly having at Bayern? Do you see him going there, um, seeing out the rest of the season just on the training pitch? You know, maybe with the reserves. Do you see him getting loaned out, or or when when do you think we can possibly see such a talent on the field? So we know. We know that Bayern will bring him in and play him in the first team right away. That was a big part of the deal. Um, this was not the biggest ta- deal on the table for Alfonso Davis. Uh, PSG offered a lot more money, not to the Whitecaps, but in terms of salary. But the difference was that Niko Kovac and Hassan Salihamidzic, the um, sporting director, want to play him in the first team come January. So he turns... 18 November 2nd, by that time the season will be most certainly over for the Whitecaps because there's only an outside chance that they will make the playoffs. And even if they make the playoffs, they will not go deep. So the season will be over for them. And and, and I reckon the Bayern will give him some time off to to sort out his life, move over to Munich um, and then settle in Munich. And then during the winter break, they will get him up to to speed, include them in tactical sessions because tactically he will have to make a big jump from MLS to Bundesliga. But the deal said, yes. Um, so Ribéry and Robin, when they extended the contracts, they were told in very nice terms that your playing time is going to diminish significantly, especially in the second half because we're bringing in young blood. Coman and Gnabry are going to become more and more starters and um, as well Davis. So Davis, you can expect him to get 
a good chunk of playing time. He will not start every match, of course, but in, they are going to go deep into the cup. They're going to go deep into the Champions League. So I reckon he will get his 30 minutes there, 40 minutes there, start against some of the teams and get significant game playing time. And that was a big part of the deal that he will not be loaned out and he will not play for the reserves. He will go straight into the first team. Very exciting indeed. And I think it's at this moment we're going to take a moment to, well, hear from the young man himself. You meant uh, Dream Week? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's amazing. Um, you know, uh, beginning of the week, uh, got, you know, signed to Bayern, as you all know, and then coming on the field, um, the club that took me in when I was little, and, you know, try to always try to help the team win. You haven't played a game in two weeks. When you come out and you do that, did the did you just get that, that emotional bump from uh, all all that happened over the last week? Yeah, I I love playing football. You know, it's my passion, and being away for for two weeks, you know, stay on the side. You know, you're itching to get on the field. And when I got my opportunity, you know, I took it. You know, there's a lot of German fans out there who are wondering what you are, and this is probably going to be their their first taste of Alfonso Davies. What do you think they're going to think about that? Uh, hopefully, good things from this performance. You know, so on and so on. Earlier today, you do well every game, but given what happened this week in your first game back, did you want tonight to be special? Yeah, with all the big news um, going on, you know, and then coming back to Vancouver, yeah, I wanted to be special and the team, and I think we went out there and we did our best. It looked like earlier today that uh, it felt like a Wakawanka day. Does that mean that okay. you're gonna? Sorry, I don't know what to say. But sorry. The point is, the point is that do you know when you're gonna have a game like this. Do you know that feeling? Is that what it is? No, like every time I step on the field, I just try to perform and try to help the team. It looked like you guys were having a lot of fun out there, especially you and Kai. Yes. Um, tell me how it felt to be back out on the field and uh, playing like that. It was a great, it was a great feeling. You know, every time you play in front of your home fans, you get a little. A little buzzy excitement to go out there and perform. And today, I think when we came on the field, you know, football's about enjoying the game, having fun. I think today we did that. Was it easy to, to put everything out of your head and just go and focus on the match? Yes, yeah, it was kind of, yeah, it was easy. Um, like I said before, it's I, every time I step on the field, I just want to have fun. You know, I just don't want all that distraction in my head while I'm playing the sport that I love. Does it feel stress-free now? Did you feel better now than say when you last played two weeks because everything now has been settled and it's yeah yeah I feel you know it's uh weight left on my sh uh, off my shoulder with other other traveling the uh, other meetings and stuff but yeah I mean coming on the field is just amazing what do you think of Jody's uh performance tonight Jody played well um Jody's a good player um you know, sometimes you just gotta you gotta tell him, you know, cool Jody, come on and you know Jody's a he's a good player, he's he's amazing. Heading into this season, you were still waiting for your first MLS goal. What is it this year that's just brought your game to that next level? I think um I'm you know, playing the league for a couple of years now. I think uh this time is is different because I think I have a little bit more confident, you know, on the ball and off the ball. Um every time I step on the field try to do my best for the team, you know, try to, every time I get the ball, I want to be positive. Is the Davis that we saw today, the Davis that Bayern fans can expect come January? Yes, yes, uh, yeah, the Davis you saw, yes. So the first goal, you collect the ball about 30 yards out, and you run at their defense, and there's three defenders. At that point, are you already planning what 
you're going to do, you know, as far as the fake shot and, and the, uh, the drag move, or how does that? Uh, when I got the ball, I, just, I didn't, you know, I wasn't thinking about what, what was going to happen, you know, ahead. I just, I think in the moment, I just did it. Um, I made, I wait for the defender to make his first move, or, and then I think the drag really sold that. Like Marshall does that all the time, and it works. So I was like, why not? So I did it, got past him, and you know, just put it in the back of the net. Does a goal like that give you more pleasure than other goals when you? I mean, like I think every so. every goal I score is gives me pleasure, gives me happiness. You know. Took I, a little two-handed shove from a former Whitecaps player there, um, but he also got victimized on those the two goals of yours. Was there a little uh, motivation from that encounter? I didn't even know he played for Whitecaps. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I try to get past him. Um, you know, he's he's a big boy. You know, and I'm kind of small, so he. Body me, and then when I was, I was gonna turn around, and walk away, but then shoved me. I was like, "Whoa, what's going on?" And then I think they're they're trying to they're trying to go at me in the game. I'm not really sure if they were, but it looked like that. Are so you concerned about that? Because I mean, you had that preseason, like Vegas, LA. They kind of went after you a little bit. Are you concerned that now with all the buzzer this week, teams will do that? No, I'm not. I'm not concerned. You know, it's a, it's a man sport. As a kid coming to mass, where I'm expecting that, so yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. You know, I, I would take it on. You know, I just try to do what I do. You've got the All Star Game coming up this week. Uh, tell us how you're feeling about that and uh, what you're expecting. I really, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, I'm expecting you know best players in the MLS and you know Juventus, um, Italian giants. You know, it's going it's going to be amazing. I'm looking really really looking forward to it. Cool. Thank you guys. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Thank Hell of a game, man. Well, Chris, uh, let's touch a little bit on the other side that were over stateside, and that was Borussia Dortmund, who had a somewhat um, more lively um, and not just exciting, but a more successful tour than their rivals Bayern Munich. Uh, We've seen them beat City, beat Liverpool, um, and, well, run Benfica close. They went to penalties. Um, A a rather successful um, time over there, right? Yes, finally, after what feels like years, we've got some um, positive Borussia Dortmund news. Um, and I think it can be summed up by uh, Mario Gotze, who spoke this week about Lucien Favre, and he said, I think it's amazing how he approaches things, and he's looking forward to what's coming, including the whole of the season. So, obviously, Favre has come in and changed things about at Dortmund, which we expected, um, and they've looked very, very strong in their games. Um, you're quite right. They went out um, on penalties or they lost a game on penalties against Benfica. Um, Maximum Philip got two goals. Who Anybody listening will know I'm a massive fan of. But I think what's been really interesting watching Borussia Dortmund is the way they've sort of changed their style a little bit. Um, they're most definitely starting to play out from the back again. Um, and they're doing it properly, which is a thought they had a real problem doing with Bosch, especially... Um, after the first month, I think it was around about October time, they, they had some massive problems playing out from the back. They were they were gegenpressed um, to the max by anybody and they were picked off quite easily. So um, it looks like they're starting to develop that. Obviously, um, Marwin Hitz has come in and he looks, um, to be honest, he looks okay. He looks a decent buy. He's um, comfortable with the ball at his feet as well. Um, and it's just, 
I think it's their attacking phase now, what I've seen and, and how they're playing football. And it's almost as if um, they're deliberately closing the pitch and, and then leaving someone out wide that for some reason, everybody they're playing against is beginning to forget about and they isolate that player on the far side um, and they're able to use that and, and attack that. And I think, we, well, anybody who watched the Liverpool game will have seen that. Um, they did particularly well. And if you think about who they've got, um, they've got Pulisic, they've got Royce, they've got Wolf, and they've also got Sancho. So if they're looking to expose somebody on, on the flank and able to um, get the ball out and in for a cross, then they've certainly got the players to be able to do that. So um, it, it's going to look good. I, I wouldn't be surprised myself if I saw them change their style a little bit. Um, I think they'd be very, very good with four at the back um, and then a holding midfielder who will either be um, Sahin or Weigl. Um, and then in front of that, there's a, there's a lot of options. But I think, I me personally, I'd have a bank of four and then Maximum and Philip up top. And that's the way I would go for it. It'd be interesting to see if that's how Dortmund um, start the season. But we talked about it before he came in and when he was announced, what would he do? I think what we're seeing now is that he's he just massaging Dortmund very, very slightly. Um, and we've all said that's what they needed. They weren't a million miles away last season from it clicking, but they just needed to be able to get that in. And, and they've done that now. And I'm really excited to be looking forward to the season to see what Dortmund can do and hopefully get back to challenging Bayern and give them really something to worry about. Yeah, I think that's what we all want, isn't it? We want a, a serious uh, challenge. And it, it does, I agree, Chris, it, it seems like a very long time since we've talked so positively about Dortmund. And I'm hoping that that uh, continues on as the, the season begins. But uh, Manu, last week, um, obviously, the both of you spoke about Axel Vixel possibly coming in to, uh, you know, sure up that defence, giving it a bit of bite. Uh, a bit of uh, aggression. Um, it, it, does it look like that's going to get over the line? There's rumours saying that he's he set up for his uh, medical soon. Medical tomorrow is the word. Ah, that's, so very soon. Yeah, Monday. Um, so by the time the podcast comes out, this could be all done. Um, I mean, we're very careful when it comes to announcing transfers. I think Chris and I both learned this lesson very difficult, very, the very hard way. But yeah, um, a bunch of newspapers from Belgium and Germany, uh, kickers, kickers going with the story that the medical could be tomorrow. And I, I think that's, that's a, if it happens, it's, it's a great transfer. Chris was saying, um, a holding midfielder, that's looking quite likely that could be Witzel. And I think everyone who watched Belgium at the World Cup will see what a great player Witzel Witzel was, uh, he's, uh, of course, had a little bit of an interesting career path. He went from Benfica to Zenit. He was the most expensive transfer in Russian football history, um, incoming transfer. And then also was the most expensive transfer outgoing when he went from Zenit to Tianjin in China, where he apparently makes 18 million euros. So he will have to, yeah, apparently he's, he's going to make less than a third of that at Dortmund. But he is willing to do that. He wants to come back to European football, play in Europe, play Champions League. And I think, I mean, when you, when you look at his career and the player that he is, he's now 29. So he's going to bring a significant amount of experience. Um, I think it's about due time. And this is at least my opinion, Chris, that he plays for a top club in a top European league. Yeah. Well, he, the fact he's going to take such a pay cut, I think, will tell you 
sometimes footballers get accused of just wanting to play for the money. The fact that he wants to come back and play football speaks to me volumes. It speaks to one that is particularly not being happy where he's been, although on good money. Footballers are footballers and they need a challenge. And obviously he's looking back for that. And if he wants a challenge, you know, going to Dortmund, he will certainly find that. Um, and I think with Favre, they will play a style of football from what I've seen him play anyway, which will certainly suit him. Um, and I think he, you've got to be really buoyed by the fact that he wants to come back to Europe and the fact, you know, that multiple sources and multiple outlets, especially uh, Belgium ones, are reporting that he will have his medical tomorrow and looks particularly good. Yeah, I remember a time when he was being linked to everyone, uh, what seems like uh, probably about the best part of 10 years ago. Um, it'd be exciting to see him uh, come into the Bundesliga and be a great um, great signing for Dortmund. Um, Chris, um the both of you also mentioned last week that you you feel that there's a um, still an Aubameyang you know hole up top for Dortmund. I mean, do you see Dortmund being any closer to possibly filling that? Have they been linked with anyone? Do you, do you think there's anything going on? Well, I mean, if they're just going to play an out and out striker, they have got Isaac who hasn't really been utilised properly. Now, whether he can come in and fill that gap is is a big is a big ask, but. If they want to spend a lot of money, I'm afraid that it's going to come at the expense of someone. And, you know, reading the German press last week, uh, the sort of remarks that were being made by Dortmund were, you know, someone came in with the right sort of bid for Pulisic, we'd let him go, which he'd say is around 70 million. Um, now, that obviously would bankroll an exceptional striker to be coming in. But it's starting to get really close to the start of the season, and that's not happened. And, you know, as we've seen in the past, with German um, coaches, they like to get their teams sorted early. And roundabout now is that sort of cut-off date where they like their squads to be ratified and finalised and going forward. So if it's going to happen for Dortmund, it's going to have to happen very quickly, I would say, in the next 48 to 72 hours. Outside of that, um, you know, I know the league kicks off a little later than the rest of the European leagues, but uh, it's it's getting that striker in and it's getting the relationships built on a pitch and getting it worked up now. You know, the flip side of that is if you pay 60 million for a striker, he can come in and, and play straight away. Well, that's not always the case. So, I mean, for me, I, you know, you two guys will know, anyone that's listed on those, I you know, really, really rate um, Philip. Um, and for me, we've not seen enough of Isaac. Do they need someone? I would be tempted just to give them a go. And then maybe, as we've seen in Germany, um, if you need to spend big in the winter window to fix that, do that. Chris, that's actually, I have a question for you because the winter transfer window, uh, the summer transfer window closes a lot sooner in England than it does in Germany. Could you, because they could, English teams can then still sell players, right? Could you see someone of the big English teams having a player that they need to cut and get rid of and Dortmund say, ha, there, there we go. That's the guy that we wanted. We just had to wait for the, the money to, money to be right. Is there something that you see? I mean, there's always rumors about someone like Anthony Marshall, Wilfred Saha, um, Butch Y even. Those are just name droppings. I'm not saying any of those players will actually happening. But do you see that could happen? Well, obviously, Zaha has been very highly linked, as the multiple sources in the UK have been running with that um, Zaha's link to go to Dortmund. But I think that is if um, Pulisic moves. Butch Y... He had a really good impact, but I think we saw a little bit. He, he sort of tailed off. So would he be the answer? No. 
Uh, I think the problem that you've got for buying from England once the window's shut is that managers then for in England will go, oh, unless the club desperately needs the money, that's their squad then ratified. And if they if they were to sell, let's just say Chelsea were to sell Batshuayi and, and um, they sold him after the transfer window had shut and then something happens to their main strikers, let's say, you know, God forbid something happened to Giroud, he broke his leg, then Chelsea are really stuffed and they can't go out and buy anyone. They would have to look at an emergency loan and the only people they could get an emergency loan for would be someone in the championship who arguably wouldn't be ready for Chelsea. So I think it swings and roundabouts. That's why I'm, for me, if Dortmund don't get anyone in, in within the next week, let's say, I think it starts to become a real problem for them unless they then get caught um, buying somebody a cut price deal from England, taking a bit of a risk. So um, there, there are lots of people uh, being linked, but I mean, hard links. No, you, you know, we know ourselves. Sometimes it generates a bit of traffic um, for players to be linked with certain clubs and Bruce Dortmund certainly do drive a lot of, a lot of traffic. So I think that the, um, Zaha rumours probably have a little bit of substance, but again, I think that comes um, with the loss of Pulisic and whether they're ready to do that. You know, we've read this week that contract negotiations have, have either stalled or been cancelled, depending on where you get your information from um, regarding Pulisic. So could he be on the way out if they get the right sort of money? Um, but then that would lead them a winger down and a striker down. So it's getting to be a sort of a panicking sort of time if Dortmund want to start buying and you know well Bryce and I will know from past experiences that panic buying of strikers tends to get nobody anywhere um and you know the, the Balotelli rumors mm. will probably surround Lucien Favre for as long as he's at Dortmund oh, just a quick one Balotelli's uh apparent transfer to Olympic Marseille is off the table I just saw that just just saying yeah, well, and and that's why you know we we look at that, and until a player signs on the dotted line, you can never be sure he's actually going to go. I mean, look at Malcolm's exploits to Barcelona via oh, Roma. Dear. Yeah. Oh dear, yeah, we don't need any panic buys, do we, Dortmund? I think they can stay well clear of that. But let's um let's as I said at the start, let's go to Germany um and talk about the sides there that are doing business. Um, Werner Bremen especially have been uh, very busy of late. Um, Manu, um, we're going to go to you because you wrote an article on Davy Klassen, who they've managed to bring in for a record um, amount uh, from Everton. I mean, uh, do, what type of signing do you see this being? Is it something for the Werner Bremen fans to get excited about? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> didn't have the best of time in, in England. Um, we, of course, have spoken to the ESC, who was involved at the Football Grad Network. He's has his ear quite close to the heart of um, everything that matters at, uh, over at Everton. And um, he said that he's a, he's a great professional, but unfortunately, with all the things that were going on at Everton last season, just never really had the chance to get integrated into side. Um, so, you know, I dig, I was digging a little deeper. And when you look at this, the year before that with Ajax, he had a fantastic year. And that was, of course, the year where he played under Peter Bosch and they made it all the way to the final of the Europa League. And his numbers were very, very good, um, playing for Ajax in that season. And Werder have, of course, a history to sort of take broken number tens, um, players that have shown in the past that they're fantastic. Um, but then had an off year at, at a club. It just didn't work out. And, you know, number 10s, playmakers, um, 
are difficult sometimes to integrate because you have to have the right playing style. And Bremen have a, have a strong history of number 10s. Um, Johan Miku, of course, the, the French number 10 um, comes to mind who they basically rescued from Parma um, and Miku led them to a championship in 2004. Diego, the Brazilian number 10, Mudia rescued from Porto in three fantastic years with Werder and then went to Juventus and didn't work out with him there. And never, his career never really took off the way that we thought. And then, of course, everyone knows Mesut Özil. Um, it's nice to talk about Mesut Özil, about something that has nothing to do with the national team. But yeah, Mesut Özil um, went through the Schalke youth system, but didn't really get managed to break through there and um, was sort of a little bit left behind at, at Gelsenkirchen. And then really took off at Bremen um, as a playmaker, sort of inherited Diego's, Diego's shoes and did very well playing as a number 10 there. And then, of course, got his move to Real Madrid. So um, David Klaas kind of falls into this history of broken number 10s that are sort of trying to resurrect their careers. Um, now, of course, Bremen are looking to have him sort of perhaps replace Miguel Delaney. Um, I'm not sure if he can do it one-to-one. It's a little bit of a different player, a little bit more of an attacking-minded player. But I think overall, I think Bundesliga fans and Bremen fans can really look forward to Davy Klaassen as a player. I mean, this is a Dutch national team player. And yes, the, ne- the Netherlands were in the World Cup, but the Netherlands are still a country that produced some world-class talent. So I think we can very much look forward to having him in Germany. One gift that never gets returned? Trick question. It's three gifts, beer, wine, and spirits. And with Drizzly, you can send the gift of drinks right to your loved one's doors. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and holiday spirits, then get them delivered right to that lucky someone's door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code JINGLE at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Also, if we just think back a year, um, he was touted on his arrival at Everton as a, you know, a potential Dennis Burkamp type of figure, um, which he never really, he never really got the opportunity to, to show his stuff at Everton, played about seven Premier League games in total, uh, sort of came under the wrong, um, manager, I would suppose, if you're going to look at Sam Allardyce, et cetera, probably not the type of player that Sam Allardyce can get the best out of. Um, you know, likes the ball at his feet, etc. Whereas um, Allardyce looks to, let's just say, play a little bit further up the pitch. Um, I think this could be a really good signing for um, for the Bremen, and I think Everton could be looking back um, when he starts to really perform there and think, oh, this is probably someone we maybe should have um, held on to for a little bit longer. So, um, for Werder Bremen fans listening, they can be truly excited about that and. But I suppose they're going to be pretty excited already because you know someone's coming back again for the third time. Oh, isn't he just 
You just can't get rid of him. That's Claudio Pizarro. Yes, just before we came on the uh, podcast this afternoon, um, he has um, agreed um, a deal to return to Werner Bremen once again. And uh, guys, who was it came up with the very interesting stat if he scores this season? Who? Which one of you was that? He has to score this year, in 2018 and in 2019, and then he scored in 20 years in a row in the Bundesliga. Is that right, Chris? Yeah, that's correct. He needs to score. Um, he needs to score in both this year and next year, calendar year, um, obviously in the season. If he scores now and not in 2019 and ends that season, he won't have scored consecutively in, in every, in every year he's been in the league, which I think is phenomenal. Um, he's getting on a little bit, you know, a little bit senior now. I can say that myself because I'm the same age as him, 39. Makes me feel horrendous. And uh, personally, when I see a 39 year old still running around playing football at the highest level, makes me feel a bit like, where did my life go wrong? As in, you know, my attitude to sport and fitness. But, I've got this sneaky feeling now he's gone um, back to Werder Bremen where he's gone back plenty of times before. He's obviously got a love um, for the side. You know, he he left and went to Bayern, went to Chelsea, came back and went back to Werder Bremen, back to Bayern, back to Werder Bremen, to Cologne, back to Werder Bremen. He seems to constantly go there and do something. So I I wouldn't bet against him scoring in his debut and then right at the game after the winter break, um, I think he can do it. I think he can get a goal in each calendar year and, and go out on a high because he said you know, he's come not there to retire, but he wants to see his career out at Werder Bremen. And I can't, no matter how fit he is and no matter how strong he is, I can't really see him playing top level football when, you know, in his 40 or 41st year. So I think this is it, this coming season for him to score twice, even if he only scores twice. One in 2018, one in 2019, and go out as a total Bundesliga legend. Yes. Oh, I really hope he does. <laughs> yeah, I think we all <laughs> what, do. What, what a story. Surely the first first goal of the season, Chris, and the very last goal of the season. That's what we want, eh? And then well, that's just... a lot of pressure on him for the last <laughs> game of the season, isn't it? That's why I'd rather him just come straight out of the winter pause and score. Yeah, then he can relax the rest of the season, I suppose. But it, it seems like with uh, Claudio Pizarro that um, he's the type of guy that um, clubs like to have around. He seems to be a good personality, very professional, good for the youngsters there. So, you know, this may do favours for Werner Bremen on the pitch if he can get um, a goal or two, but um, probably off field as well. It mightn't be a bad shot. Um, uh, Manu, before we, we leave Pizarro, I mean, do you see potentially after this, he's talking about retiring of Werner Bremen, but do you see him possibly you know, turning out as a coach after that? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? They'll what? just give him the club. Yeah, they just just hand it to him. I mean... <laughs> Once he scored 20 years in a row, and that's the goal to keep them up or get them into Europe or something mm-hmm. magnificent like that, they'll just give him the club. Golden key to the city as well, right? Um, now, uh, he, he scored 192 goals now in 446 Bundesliga games. He's the um, highest scoring foreigner in the Bundesliga. Yeah, that's, it's, it's remarkable stuff. Um, no matter what happens this year, he, he's definitely a Bundesliga legend. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you're both right in, in saying that he's a legend, but also that uh, Klassen could be a great signing for Werner Bremen this season. I, I completely get behind that. But guys, uh, let's talk about the start of Liga 3, which is uh, very exciting. Manu, the, the, the last I heard, you were writing an article covering each of the sides, which was taking you somewhat longer than what you expected. Um, how has that article come along? It's posted. I posted it on time, but yeah, I was a bit ambitious. I'm going to do something similar for Bundesliga 2, but I'm going to split it over three articles. I think that's a much better format and much, much less work intensive because doing 20, essentially 20 mini previews was a lot of work. But, um, yeah, it's, it's up on fußballstadt.com. So if you enjoyed the first day of the season, and the, the, the great games, there were some fantastic goals. Uh, I know Chris, you shared one and one Fortuna Köln uh, goal, um, on, on the ones up chat. Um, that was between Fortuna Köln and Preußen Münster. Um, and then of course there was the, the attendance numbers were absolutely incredible. Braunschweig had uh, over 15,000 in the stadium. 1860, Kaiserslautern against 1860, there was 40,000 in the stadium, uh, third largest attendance in Liga 3 history, um, just incredible stuff when you, when you look at that. And I think, and th- this is a take that I saw, I think people are really A, happy that club football is back, but they also, Liga, the third division has a lot of historic clubs in there. It's a good mix between East and West German teams. There's no second, there's no reserve sites in that league this year. So there's a real appetite for it. And it seems almost, almost people want that kind of football, the more raw kind of football that's a bit closer to amateur football, but still professional. And there's a real appetite for it at the moment. And that game, I mean, the Kaiserslautern 1860 game, when I watched it and I thought the level of it was, was actually very, very good. Well, that's exactly it. I mean, Manu, I can't remember Liga 3 looking as exciting uh, in previous years. And, I mean, Kaiserslautern versus 1860 Munich. I mean, a few years ago, you would have said that that was a Bundesliga tie, you know? These are both two massive sides. I mean, you've, you've got other sides from the past, like Energy Cottbus in there as well. I mean, there's a lot to get excited about. Um, uh, Manu, how do you see 1860 getting on this season? Obviously, a, a cl- very close to your heart. Yeah, it's a big jump from the fourth division to the third division because you're going from basically playing fallen teams um, and teams that are borderline club team, uh, pub teams to playing full-on professional football again in, in a nationwide league. And this is a 20-division team uh, league, so it's a lot bigger than Bundesliga 1 and 2. Um, so it's a big jump, but at the same time, 1860 are not your normal, um, you know, you mentioned it's not your normal third division club, um, Essa Kaiserslautern. So that's why this game in particular drew a lot of people. And um, I thought that 1860 did quite well in that match. Kaiserslautern, of course, are the favorite to go straight back up to Liga 2. Um, they never been in the third division throughout their entire history. So they are favorites to go straight back up. And I think losing to them is okay. Um, so then if 1860 play like that, develop. Um, and then, of course... Um, Birovka, the head coach, is able to take his lessons from that. I think they can play a good season. Um, I would say probably top half finish for 1860 this year. 
Yeah, very exciting. I, I think we'll be uh, touching on Liga 3 quite a bit this season with 1860 and those other um, rather historic sides being in there. But Chris, uh, let's go to you next. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Bundesliga 2. Uh, it starts up again this coming weekend, um, just over the weekend. Uh, you've seen FC Union Berlin in action against QPR. How was it? It was actually a very entertaining game. Um, Scoreline may not suggest that in the end. Um, obviously, they were, um, FC Union Berlin were beaten 3-0. They were beaten quite comprehensively by Queen's Park Rangers. But from what I saw, they have certainly got a lot out of it. Um, from what I've seen at QPR in the past, they were very long ball merchant. From what I saw this weekend, they've got some exceptionally talented players um, who played football and then used to utilise the the wide areas, which gave Union a real test. I'd say for the first 20 minutes and the last 20 minutes, Union were really under the cosh. They sort of grew into the game, but unfortunately, they couldn't find the goal at one point that their, that their play deserved. I think from maybe 60 to 80 minutes, they were the team that was on top the most. Um I was exceptionally impressed with a couple of their new signings they made. So um, Rafael Gajkovic, who is their um, goalkeeper who came in from Freiburg, he made some tremendous saves. Um, Marvin Hartl, uh, sorry, Marcel Hartl as well. Um, he played particularly well. Anderson, who came in from Kaiserslautern, um, had a good game. Joshua Meese missed um, a really good opportunity to to get a goal back for them. If these new in from um, Hoffenheim, but on the whole, considering they've got a new manager as well, I, I thought they played well in patches. QPR, a lot of us have, have watched um, Bundesliga too. I mean, we've been there as a trio. Manu and I were there last season to see a couple of games. Um, QPR would run away um, with with that league. So they were a higher opposition. But I think you need that when you're playing. Um, I was lucky enough to grab um, a couple of minutes with um, Sebastian Polter, who, of course, plays for Union Berlin, but his ex-QPR unfortunately wasn't available to play on the day because he's ruptured his Achilles tendon. Um, but I spoke with him about what he hopes um, for Union this coming season, and I think we can hear what he's going to say now. Sebastian Polter, ex-QPR, obviously now FC Union Berlin. Sebastian, what did um, you guys get from today's match against a good quality QPR side? Yeah, I think every friendly game is like uh, you can get something out of it. Um, today was a 3-0. Um, we lost, so it's always not good because um, next week is the start in the league. Um, same for QPR. For QPR, of course, it's, it's uh, really good to have a win on the side uh, of QPR for the for the last game. But for us, um, we can also put positive things out, out of it because um, we're starting next week as well. So, um, yeah, we have to work out find out what was wrong today and make it better next week it just missed out on the uh, relegation playoff last season what's the hopes for this season yeah our hopes are always um, first of all to uh, settle good in, in into the league um, we have a new manager we've got some new players to to settle in so um, the league is tough um, same like here in England in championship but um, for us it's important to get a good start and that's what we're working up for and were you surprised by the amount of travelling supporters you had here today? Yeah, we are not surprised because we know our fans and our supporters, um, they're always good with us. Um, they love England as well, the, the football comes from England, so um, they enjoyed it to, to visit um, QPR today. And yeah, I'm really happy that um, I'm proud of, of that supporters, yeah. Um, but for us, it's a, a, a little bit normal, yeah. Sebastian, thank you very much. Thank you.
so yeah bryce you can see by that that they're expecting to um to have a little bit more of a challenge for anybody that's listening um, who's unfamiliar with the structure german football uh, will have heard me ask him the question you you know you just missed out on the relegation playoff which um which might sound quite odd obviously the relegation playoff is for the third place team in bundesliga 2 to play the third bottom team in bundesliga 1 so that's uh, with the question towards relegation not for a relegation down into bundes into liga dry um but i think we should really talk a little bit about the FC Union fans because they were all over Facebook, they were all over Twitter. They took eighteen hundred people, um, sorry, took eighteen hundred fans from Berlin um, over to Loftus Road, and they entertained everybody from start to finish. Um, you know, the three of us have been to that stadium in a forest. It's fantastic, uh, and they they travelled just like that, singing from the very first whistle to the very last whistle. Um, they made a lot of friends. There's there's always um, a little bit of unsafe reaction from any club, saw a little bit of that, but on the whole, um, it was a really good day and there was lots of shirts being swapped outside, there was scarves being swapped. Um, obviously, QPR went over there last season um, and had their game called off. Do you remember that, Manu? And it absolutely chucked it down in Berlin and the game was cancelled halfway through um, and it was replayed two days later, thankfully, for everybody that had travelled over. Um, and Queen's Park Rangers and um, Union Berlin seem to have a bit of a friendship building there, so it was nice to see um, Union Berlin on, on English soil because obviously I've seen them a couple of times now but from what I saw their players that they brought in I think they can do okay let's not forget who's dropped down I'm sure we're going to go into that but you know the, the two biggest teams um, Hamburg, FC Köln you can expect them to go straight back up I would think um, but it's a very very strong league and I think we can see that Sebastian Polter had, had that in the back of his mind when he was speaking to us Yeah, very much. So, I mean, great bit of, uh, of footage there. Thank you very much, Chris. Um, and yeah, it sounds like you had a, a great day out. I mean, we've had a great time over in Berlin watching FC Berlin. And it, it, it's unbelievable just the, the fan base that they managed to send over for a friendly that anyone else would probably just disregard. Unbelievable. But um, yeah, as Chris said, let, let's talk about Bundesliga 2 um, starting up again this weekend. Um, who we reckon is going to be the favourite to come back up. Manu, um, what's your opinion? Do you think the the likes of the teams, uh, as Chris mentioned, uh, Cologne and Hamburg that went down, can bounce straight back up? Yeah, I think so. I, th- I, th- I really do. I mean, you look, I think Hamburg just um, played their last friendly and they beat Monaco um, 3-1. And they were able to hang on to quite a lot of the the players that... Um, more or less cost this this whole disaster because remember this is Hamburg's first relegation and um, despite the relegation Chris they still haven't shut down the clock um, the, the controversial oh yeah clock. it's um, years yeah. since foundation now Tra- isn't it not, tradition not years since, in the Bundesliga yeah tra- tradition since, since yeah, so yeah. it's still there it's still there um, I, I, I guess that's that falls into the category lesson not quite learned yet um, I'm pretty sure <laughs> The clock, yeah, the, the the famous clock, it's it's still running. So if you have that question, they they could not get themselves to install to get rid of it. But yeah, I think that has far they have enough um, to go back up. And I think for me though, the, the real big favorites uh, in in this in this upcoming Bundesliga two season is Köln. 
look, you have, you have Jonas Hector and uh, Timo Horn setting such an example to stay at the club. I think that the whole relegation was, um, a collection of unfortunate circumstances. Because when you really look at it on paper, this team should have never gone down. And, uh, they did. And I think the, the fact that so many of the players that went down with the club decided that they're going to stay and fix it. I think that will make them a, a really big favorite because they are going to have a very strong motivation to go straight back up. So it's going to be a little bit like Stuttgart the year before. Um, the Stuttgart, of course, went down and then right away repaired it. And it's going to be hard, I think, for all the other teams in, in Bundes, in Bundesliga too, to, um, to fight for our top two spot because of Hamburg and Köln being such massive favorites and, Maybe not the strongest Bundesliga 2 in history, and, but it's still, you know, going to be a very fun league. And I think there's going to be a very similar phenomena to what we saw in Liga 3. I think that the one thing that people like about the third division and the second division in Germany, and I think this is kind of gets us back to Romanigas statements in the very beginning, is the fact that you don't really know the results ahead of time. I mean, first up, Chris, the league kicks off on Friday. With Hamburg facing Kiel in a derby, northern derby. That's going to be a great match. And yes, Hamburg will be the favorites, but Kiel came close in the relegation playoffs to make promotion. So this is going to be. Yeah, they did. And we were there, weren't we? Yeah, we were there. um, For that first game. And yeah, I think they were probably lacking a striker on that night. And if they would have had someone who could have converted their chances, Wolfsburg would have been in a whole different, um, ball game come the second leg. So. I mean, just look at look at the league itself. We've got obviously Cologne and uh, HS Bau, but teams that have been in the Bundesliga recently, Ingolstadt, Darmstadt, um, St. Pauli are always um, a team that are associated with, although they've been sort of a little bit off the boil. Um, Paderborn are back, uh, Madeburg are back. So I think this is not, well, it's always a strong league, but this could be a really interesting um, league. I, I am going to put my hat on a peg really early and say that FC Köln will fly this league. They will be the Bayern Munchen of Bundesliga 2. I think it's going to be um, one of the highest points totals going. I, I think they're just going to run away with that. As for everybody else, I think it's going to be an exceptionally close um, an exceptionally close game. And I'm going to throw HS Bauer in there as well to be in that mix. Um, but I just think with the players that Köln have held on to and with the fact that I think they went down fighting. There's, you know, Hector, um, Hall, and they've all got things to, that they want to rectify. They want to right some wrongs. I've just got this feeling that FC Kern are going to absolutely rip that league to shreds. I'm glad you brought up Mark Debord, Chris, because this is a former UEFA Cup winners, Cup winner. Um, yeah. A great side, great history, East German football history. Haven't played professional football in a very long time. Great fan base. Um, you know, it's just great to see them in professional football in a club with so much potential and so much history. To just see them back there. There's going to be some great derbies against Dynamo Dresden, for example, right? A team that we went to. Um, Erzgebirge Aue, another East German club. Union Berlin, another East German club. That's going to be, that's going to be real fun. Um, so some real good explosive derbies that we can watch next season between those teams. Yeah, very exciting indeed. And I hope Chris is right that 
that Cologne managed to, uh, well, blitz the league and, and get back up into the Bundesliga. That would be, that'd be some, some nice news for me. Um, nice watching. I think also nice for all the home fans there, which are so exciting if you ever get the chance to go. So it's, um, yeah. With that, um, I suppose, uh, Chris Manu, who's possibly going to get relegated in, in Bundesliga too? Is, is there anyone that you see has probably served their time and, and they're going to drop back down? Oh, that's so hard. Remember last year, Braunschweig played with Chris Sodom. Chris Sodom in the promotion playoffs. <laughs> they, they went down. I mean, it's so difficult. I mean, last year, I remember us talking at one stage, it was, was it from ninth? Downward, yeah. there was only a few points in it. I mean, it was, it was hard to call who was going to go down. And, you know, from ninth downward, that's, that's the bottom half of the table. You know, it, it was so close. Um, that might be a, a question that we'll have to answer as the season goes on, maybe. Um, but yeah, I think that more or less uh, does it for this week. It, it's been great to be back, fellas. Um, Chris, what have you got going on this week? Um, are you going to have a, a little bit of downtime or does football never sleep with you? Football never sleeps. Uh, it's pre-season, so there's, there's a lot going on. We we will um, be reactionary for transfer news um, just um, just now um, as we speak. Um, Sport.ru have said that Witzel to Dortmund is done, but they're also saying he's got a um, medical tomorrow. So we'll we'll see how true or not that is tomorrow. Um, but yeah, well, just keep your eye. I've got loads going on at the moment, tons of stuff. Um, so you can either follow me on Twitter at Chris78Williams or just keep your eye on Football Grad Life. Exciting. Yeah, and Manu, I would imagine you, you mentioned at the start of the pod that you might take the week off. I just don't believe you. What have you got going on this week? Uh, yeah, so you're quite right. There, there's no time off. Um, if, when Witzel is done, there will be something because I've seen him quite a bit playing in, in, in Russia, of course, for Sunit. So there will be something up on him on fußballstadt.com. And then, uh, I'm doing the, doing Bundesliga 2 previews, um, this, this week as well. So that will be on fußballstadt.com. And then the Europa League, um, the second legs, um, we have Ufa play Domzale. Um, then we have Mariupol play your garden and Leipzig play their second leg against Hacken. Um, of course, Leipzig won their first leg 4-0, so they're pretty much through to the next round. So we'll have previews on that up as well um, on footballgrab.com, footballstart.com. And as Chris said, it's all at Football Grab Live. And you can follow me at Manuel Ref. Very good. Yes, um, thank you for tuning in. As always, if you want uh, any information on anything that we've spoke about this evening, you, I, I would advise you head over to the Football Grad Network. There's always tons of articles, uh, information, updates on the Twitter page there. Yes, there's only 25 days left until the Bundesliga starts, but as always, we've had plenty to talk about. And thank you very much for tuning in. I've been your host, Bryce Dunn. And that about does it for today. I'll feed us in. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy. 
right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.